All right, welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, we had a Teddy sighting down at a boxing match that you weren't working at at the Atlantic City on the uh, Dimitri Salidas show. How was it? Uh, it was good. You know, obviously I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for my son working with Dimitri, who's a good guy. He's a young promoter he's been around but he's still an up and coming considered guy he's getting bigger and bigger and hopefully that'll continue for him because being a former fighter as i said last week he can have empathy for fighters you know and and especially fighters on their way up not fighters that are given a silver spoon sort of you know which they earned it by winning an olympics or being a top guy in that kind of way but they still don't have to travel as difficult a path as some of these kids that, that are, you know, with the wooden spoon, the one that you used to get in a Carvel cup. You know what I mean? Um, you know, big difference, <laughs> big difference. So uh, it was just, I wanted to support my son. I went down there. Uh, as you said, I never go to fights if I'm not working. And I tell you, it, it took my breath away. Um, the... I, I can't tell you the fan love and support appreciation that came out. And they just, it seemed like every fan in the place came over to me. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like over across the pond where you have, you know, 40,000 people. I mean, you know, like our brothers over there and sisters over there. But whoever was in the crowd, they came over. The fighters, um, they all found a way to come to me, whether it was in a, afterwards or uh, when I went in the back with my son. Uh, I didn't want to bother anybody. I just went there to kind of get out of the way. Um, and and then some fighters came over and trainers came over. And, and, and just to hear from my son the, the amount of respect that he got from everybody, um, you know, I guess a little, most of it I would say is because it's just the way he carries himself, my son. But, uh, then, you know, knowing that he was my son, just people coming over to him. And it was, it was very heartwarming, to be honest with you. And uh, it, it just, it moved me. Uh, to see my son also. Teddy, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you were so surprised, I guess because you don't go to the fights all the time. I go, and every if I told you every single time someone said, to me, tell Teddy this, tell Teddy that, I wouldn't even have time to like have a thought for myself. But people, when I go to the fights myself, the people are like, oh, Ken from the Teddy Atlas show. Where, how's Teddy? What's Teddy? Where's Teddy? So I'm not surprised, but I guess if you don't go as, and when you're not working, I'm not, I guess that would seem overwhelming. Yeah, it was very touching and, and then to watch my son at work, you know, I know what he is in the NFL, but to w see that same work ethic, that same attention to detail, uh, that same understanding of what all the issues were with nobody telling him and what he had to look out for, I, to, I was so proud of him. And I'm always proud of my kids. My daughter's a lawyer. He's, he's you know, my son was director of scouting in the NFL. I mean, but the people that they are, the parents that they are, the grandchildren they've given us, and I just, and then I'll, I'll tell you, there was a moment, Ken, that after the fights, uh, the the main event 
was was between uh it was in super middleweights and um it was i'm trying to i want to make sure i give the the proper names while you while you're looking for the names i just want to give a shout out to demetrius salita i don't think a lot of people uh realize that the hardcores will but demetrius salita was 35 and 2 18 knockouts i mean he lost to amir khan and uh, gabe bracaro for uh titles both times he stepped up for titles but he was a hell of a fighter out of brooklyn i think yeah, no, right he's, uh, he's from brooklyn he's now he's stationed in detroit to, with the promotional company but he's he's from brooklyn and like i said he's he can understand what the journey is for a fighter better than, well, better than all the promoters out there that have got the power right now, except for De La Hoya, of course. And his matchmaker, the the matches, it was a showbox show. And again, I appreciate like Showtime producer, whoever was in charge, sent the camera over and took a picture, took a, obviously the, had the camera zero in on me and my son at ringside and, that was nice. It was just appreciated. Because you know why? Because I was with my son. And 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 people started sending snapshots to my son, texts to my son. We see you with your dad. You know? And so that was nice. Just a human thing. A kindness. And, you know, everybody... The, the fights were pretty well matched. Uh, there was a good fight with between two undefeated heavyweights. It was a really nice... Yeah, Great it really fight. was. You're right. You watched it. It was, really, it was a really good fight. And, and then... Competitive. Most competitive. Very competitive, back and forth. And, and most of the fights were pretty well matched. And uh, Steve Clement was the matchmaker. So I figured I'd shout him out. He did a good job. And the moment that I'm talking about was after the main event, and I couldn't get out of there. First of all, I was waiting for my son. My son being who he is, what do you think he does? He gets up in the ring and starts breaking the ring down. Like, that's not part of his, uh, you know, job. No, <laughs> job description. Not. But it's, it's his description. It's his description of what he should do and of what he is and what he believes yep. in. So anyway, I'm waiting for him. I'm saying that fans are coming over and I can it felt like every fan in the place watches his show. Really, I'm, and every fighter. Do you know during the weigh-in, my son said there was a there was a fighter that was waiting for the weigh-in. He had the headphones on, and he could hear something that sounded kind of familiar, like his father's voice and Ken Rideout's voice. And he and he looks at the fighter. He says, "Are you listening to?" to the podcast the fight he goes yeah he goes i always listen he goes oh i always, I always <laughs> listen he goes he goes you know i'm not gonna say what he said because it's like we're patting ourselves on the back i did enough of that already but <laughs> it, it was just so it, it was so nice and to hear that but there was a moment the main the main event was between 16 and 0 Isaiah Steen, and, and what great people he had, and, and his trainer and him, what gentlemen. And that's another thing I want to say. The amount, just every fighter and their trainers, the, the amount of class shown. Ken, I can't even begin to tell you. It reminds me of, the, the fighters are special. What gentlemen, what class acts they all were. And so anyway, the men and vendors, 16-0 Isaiah Steen, uh, versus 
versus Senya Agbeko. And Agbeko is 27-2 in 21 knockouts. Um, and he's the underdog with the undefeated kid. And he wins the fight. And then he comes over after the fight. He comes over with his whole team. And like I said, just one more decent person than the other. Comes over and says, Teddy, I, I just want to talk to you. Is that okay? I said, yeah. I said, congratulations. He said, no, I want to just say something to you. He said, back, back in... Uh, it was back in, I think it was 2014. He said, back in about, I think it was 2014, he said, I was fighting on an ESPN card that you were obviously commentating. And he said, I lost that fight. I got stopped. And you did what you do. You broke the fight down. And you destroyed me. You were brutally honest. And after the fight, he, I'm a fighter, I'm a kid who came here from another country, from Uganda. And I, I just, he said, I, I came here, there was a lot of things that, Obviously, I was trying to do. I was trying to better myself, better my family, and do it through this sport. And when I heard that, when I lost that fight, and then I heard your comments and your analysis of what I did and didn't do, and, and you went through everything, he said, it hurt me. He said, it really hurt me. But he said then... That was his first loss, yeah, by the way? Yeah. That, that was the first loss he, he had? he said, it really hurt me. And then he said, I did something I never did before. I sat down and watched my fight with the sound on. He said, I had never watched a fight of myself with, my, with the sound on. And I listened to it over and over again. And again, just brutal honesty. And he said, I said to myself, I made a pact with myself. I made an agreement with myself. I'm going to listen to this man. He's telling me the truth. Yeah, it hurts. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to correct everything he said. And I'm going to work. I'm going to get better. And then I'm going to come back and fight an important fight, like a 10-round fight on Showbox with an undefeated fighter. I'm going to fight a big fight, and I'm going to win. And I'm going to pray that Teddy Atlas is there. And I'm going to go up to you and tell you, thank you. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you. And he came up and that's what he said to me. I'm like getting emotional saying it now. And I'm, I don't know if it was meant for me to be there. I don't know if you believe in such things. You know, I was there for my son. But I was there for this too. I didn't know. I didn't know. And... When he said that to me, I was I just sat there, stood there, I'm sorry, and I just said to him, no, no, no. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being the human being you are. I want to thank you for restoring my faith in humanity.
in people. We're going to be okay. You know why? Because we got people like you. People that want to get better, that yearn to get better, that have to get better because of their circumstances. You didn't make excuses. You didn't get angry. You didn't quit. You took what had to be taken and you did something freaking about it. I, I, I applaud you. For me, you define everything that is in that word champion. Everything. A, a person who's willing to do something that's uncomfortable and difficult. When other people don't do it. That's a champion. Someone who's willing to look at themselves, look at things the way they are, and find a way to still do it. As difficult as it is. And as hard as it is. As much as they don't feel like doing it. To do something they don't feel like doing. That's not comfortable. You did it. You're a, you, you represent everything a, that word represents. That word signifies. That character. And that's the, that's the talent that you built around. It was around your character. Not, not your speed, not your power, not your genetics. Your to, to go and work harder than anyone else and correct what had to be corrected, to find a way. When it looked like there might not nope. be a way. That, and that character that's embodied in you, that, that represents the best in us. That represents the best quality in human beings, in mankind. It really does. And again, you restore my faith that we're going to be okay as people because we got people like you. And let me tell you, wherever you go from here on, wherever it is, you're, you're going to be better than most because you're willing to go to places more than most. To look at things more than most. You're going you're gonna to be the best father, the best husband, if that's in your future. The, the best person in whatever the next part of your life is. You're going to be the best that you can be. Because you were able to be honest with yourself. You are able to look the devil in the eye and say, no, you're not going to have me. You're not going to have me. You're gonna, you, with, with, your, with your claws of... of excusism and pity and self-pity and you know and and anger and hate you know because something don't go no you're not gonna have me you're not gonna have me i'm gonna have my own path the path that i choose that i'm able to choose and i gave him a hug he gave me a hug and i um i was glad i was there I had no idea it was going to encompass this. But I, and, and the one other thing I have to say, as long as I'm telling you how I felt that night, was that with everybody, the camaraderie, everything, just, just people getting ready to fight each other, but yet a respect and a, a certain feel, and everybody who was talking to me, the fighters, the trainers, everybody, I, it just reminded me and this might unsettle some people, but I say what I believe, and I say it. I don't. I don't hold it. I. I don't. Again, some people are gonna 
have tr- term, trouble with the terms of this and understanding it maybe. But I don't see racism in this country. I know I, I know some people they're 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 right now they're sitting at the edge of their chair saying, What's he saying? I'm just telling you from my perspective, from my lens of my eyes and my experience, I I don't I don't see it. Am I naive to to think that there's not hate out there for different reasons? No, but I'm telling you, boxing doesn't have racism because racism is is hate, and and it doesn't have that. You know why? Because these fighters can't afford to be weak. They're going into an endeavor. They're going into a place. They're going into an arena that is so scary so difficult, so dangerous, that they can't have something, a weakness called hate. They can only have strength. And they can only have respect for other people that go into that arena with them, into that, into that darkness with them, into that fight with them, into that journey with them, into that voyage with them, to try to find themselves, to try to get better, to try to lift up to try to be the best they can be, to try to find something inside themselves that says, yeah, I can depend on myself. Yeah, I can be special. Yeah, I can be better than people told me I could be. There's no room for hate. There's no room for this thing called racism. There's only admiration and respect for each other. They look around. They don't see color. They don't see. All they see is fellow warriors, fellow Voyagers, journeymen that are with them in this journey, in this voyage, this to to find themselves, to find who they truly are. I just I'm sorry. I had to take the time to say that. I um I'm so glad I went down to this little show in Atlantic City at Bally's. With this promoter Dimitri, with my son helping him, um, I am so glad I went down there because it, it re- again it gave me a booster shot of faith, of faith, of promise that we will be okay. All right, let's talk about freaking more boxing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk UFC. Speaking of great matchmaking, um, UFC never disappoints. And if it, it, even when there are one-sided or lopsided fights, they have the best intention. And on paper, they always look competitive. You'll never see, like, very rarely will you see more than a 10-to-1 favorite. In boxing, I feel like the entire undercard is a one-sided beatdown affair. But occasionally you do get the guy who's 27 and 2 to beat the 16 and 0 rising superstar. It's a great story when you see a guy like that get a win. It's sad for the guy who's 16 and 0, but it's a process he has to go through. He's either going to lose now or he's going to lose on a bigger stage, but at least now he can lose, learn from it, and hopefully get better. And to jump into the UFC, one of the fights that we don't have on our card, and I don't even know if you've seen it, but I just want to just mention it quickly. My friend Sean Brady from Philly. He fought Bilal Muhammad in the main in the the main prelim. So the last prelim before the main cards started. He definitely won the first round in a highly uh strategic stand-up battle, like high-level stand-up. 
And I said to Sean, I said, you, ha- you, you were winning. You looked good. He caught you a shot and credit to Muhammad. He closed the show. You talk about closers all the time. My God, did he close the show? And he stopped him on his feet. The ref jumped in. And I, um, I spoke to uh, Sean after the fight. And uh, I'm not going to share what we discussed. But needless to say, he's, I think there's some things that, um, that, that he could learn from Teddy Atlas on the mental side. And um, you and I will talk about that offline. But shout out to Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad. Great performances by Don't two great sportsmen. Don't forget how special you are, win or lose, that you could get in there. You could get in that ring, that octagon, that, that chamber of truth, and face things that most people can never face, would never face. They would never sit in that locker room with their imagination and their ninjas running over that wall, attacking them and making them think about all these horrible things that could happen and have the discipline to sit there, the courage to sit there and then go out there and walk to that ring, walk to that cage that looks like it's a mile when it's only maybe 40 yards or 30 yards and walk to it and get in there and walk up those steps that feels like you're walking a plank that that the pirates would make somebody walk back. <laughs> Back in the day we're in the ocean that's when a, it, that's a good uh, point. just to be able to summon up the strength the the character to do that you're special you you do not be brought down by this do not be deterred or stopped by this learn from it but also remember you're doing something that most people would never ever have the gumption, the courage, the strength to do, the discipline, the conviction to do, to find out who they are, to to face the toughest thing in the world, ourselves, our own darkness, our own, you know, just caverns of darkness inside ourselves, inhibitions, doubts, you know, things that have been there since we were born that were developed, whether we knew it or not, to be able to face those things, get in a ring with another man. Wow. Wow. If you could do that, you could do anything. You could do anything. Continue. Continue, my friend. To your, to your, po- to your point, Teddy, I don't think most people appreciate just how scary that is. And that's why I always tell people with regards to running or whatever your uh, vocation is, whether it's public speaking or, or, or school and making a presentation, you have to remind yourself if you're not walking out to the cage, the worst thing that could happen is you have a bad performance and you walk back with some critiques in the UFC, like you said, you're walking out, walking the plank, and guess what? There's a guy who on the other side of the cage who is actually going to try to kill you. Not literally, but he's going to punch you until you can no longer defend yourself. And I couldn't think of a scarier thing. So when you think about that and put it into terms with everyday life, I always say, hey, at a running race, no one's gonna punch me in the face or choke me when I get tired. There's, I'll punish myself more than anyone because I know at the end of the day, if I fall down, it's over. No one's going to hurt me. Continue. No one's going to continue to hurt me. So shout out to Sean Brady. He's a great guy. I, th- I think, Teddy, we're going to see him at the uh, Poirier fight on November 12th. And I hope he's going to come to the uh, Teddy dinner on the 17th, which, by the way, guys, anyone who's listening, like we said last week, if you'd like to meet Teddy, myself, maybe a surprise visit from Dustin Poirier and Sean Brady and a couple other UFC legends, 
please come to the Teddy Atlas charity dinner on November 17th on Staten Island. We'll be posting all the um, details in the show notes, but we'd love to see you there. Come by, shake hands, take some pics, whatever you like. We'll be there November 17th, Thursday before Thanksgiving on Staten Island. And um, But yeah, Teddy, Sean Brady, special guy from Philly. Uh, you're going to like him. Definitely, 100%. I can't wait to meet him. And, and listen, you guys... Gave me the special news yesterday that Dustin Poirier is coming. So, you know, that I, I can't yep. tell you how happy that makes me. Um, not just because of the the great fighter that he is, the savage that he is <laughs> in a good way, um, but the person that he is. He runs his own foundation. So uh, for him to want to be there and to be there and to support my foundation uh, and, and five, five days, days after well, his fight days, not just a fight though uh, after it's going to be a hell of a fight a hell of a fight i mean my goodness that fight i mean that card is loaded but that fight right there might be the one that that might be the one yep you know uh, oh, when you 100 I mean, when you talk about you know just an explosive an explosion waiting to happen okay i mean you know uh, a a kindle of wood a pile of wood waiting to be lit <laughs> that that's the fight that's that fight do not do not get up to get a drink or use the bathroom when this oh. fight starts because it's going to be fireworks it's no secret no secret that chandler comes out gunning from the bell and there's no secret that Poirier is going to have to weather that storm. two explosive dangerous guys that are tremendous in every area tremendous strikers every area and <laughs> they they are they are just dynamite and every, I mean, they, they explosive as punches. Dustin uh, might be the best finish in the business. Um, I, or one of the best in the business. Uh, they both get at it. Uh, wow. They both have the mentality, you know, where, you know, it's, it's put it this way. They don't spend time, you know, uh, getting to know getting each other. To introduce <laughs> each other. They, they, uh, or, or, you know, sharing niceties. <laughs> they, they get down to it. The tough thing about that matchup, Teddy, is obviously like, uh, Dustin is my personal friend for both of us. So, like, obviously we're with him, but Chandler is a world class human being too. He's got an adopted son. We have a lot in common. I, I met him a couple times in Nashville, but I know. I you know as you know we're when you're friends with Listen, someone we, you're friends if with we them, can't be honest right. if we can't be honest we're gonna shut this 100%. show down we'll shut it down mm -hmm. we'll shut the freaking thing down so that's exactly uh, right people like it don't like it whatever we like it we like to be transparent <laughs> that's true. okay and so yep the rooting here is with Dustin but uh, yep. uh, but that doesn't change our breakdown of the analysis of the job we got to do. Doesn't change that. That's right. That, that never does. That's never right. did. So uh, you know, um, Chandler, tremendous person, tremendous fight. But Dustin's our guy. I mean, it's that simple. So look, it, it should be a oh man, what a, what a card, and and what a fight. That that might be the most anticipated fight on the card. And listen, we we got another yep. friend on there, Adesanya, tremendous person, oh, yeah. tremendous fighter, tremendous yeah. man. Maybe we can get tremendous. Izzy to hang. Maybe we can get Izzy to hang around until Thursday as well. That would be great. Him him and his trainer Eugene. That would be. Oh, Eugene. That, yeah, just good people. Good people. Uh, winners. 
winners. And and more than anything, entertainers. <laughs> Knowing Israel Adesanya put on a dance performance at the at the dinner. He's uh he's such a nice kid. But we got a lot to get into, Teddy. Let's start breaking down action. Let's start with um the first fight on the undercar. We had uh Benel, Benel Dariush against um Manon uh sorry uh Matsus Gamrot. Um Dariush gets the unanimous decision, um, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Pretty one-sided there, but um, what'd you like? What'd you think of that fight? Well, first of all, shout out again. I don't. I, I have to shout out to the people I love and the people that are there for me, my Twitter team. Uh, it's a tag team. They, you never know who's going to be <laughs> caught on, who's going to be tagged. You're it. You're in next. All right, get up. You know, and um, they, they're always there. You, you yeah. know that they have a, a mini anxiety attack when they're like Ian and uh, Ian and the other guy. They're like, hey, who's up this weekend? Ian, you're up. You're on the you're oh, on the Twitter patrol. Uh, oh, you got, I got to bring my A game. Brennan Wood was on... Uh, well, Brennan, uh, sorry, yeah. No, no, Ian is Mackie and, of course, Rob Moore, our producer, but Brennan, Brennan was the guy who was uh, up uh, this particular week and just just unbelievable job again. All of them, I love them. And as far as Darius and Gamrot, uh, these guys, first of all, and it was one of the tweets, that's why I, you know, went to the tweeting part because the tweet that I sent during the fight. By the way, we got up on the air. It's like, I, I've been on TV for what, 40 years? But it's still a big thing. It's crazy. <laughs> you still it? get a I, kick. I get a kick when I, oh yeah, they put one of my tweets up. Wow. Isn't that funny? That, that's a good lesson for everyone out there. When you stop losing that enthusiasm and excitement for small wins, you might as well be dead. Even even if I won a turkey trot against twenty five people, I'd still be like, "Yes, I won a race." And I a know turkey, inside it's, it's meaningless. <laughs> I know inside it doesn't mean anything to anyone but me. But it's the same thing with the tweets. It's like, I did it. I'm on the I'm on the UFC no, it was tweet so cool. patrol. I, I I know it's silly, but it but it, anyway, it was cool. But one of my tweets. But it's honest. Yeah, it is honest. One of my tweets, uh, Ken, was that these two guys would be great at the board game Twister because they were, <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were placing their legs and arms all over the darn place on the mat. Uh, they were brilliant. Brilliant at the floor chess, as I call it, uh, that they were playing. Grappling and using their jujitsu skills and everything else. Just And one other thing, great matchmaking, right, Ken? I mean, really, what a match. Always. What a match. There, there wasn't really anything to separate them almost uh, to the end when, when they got striking a little bit. But, but there was, I mean, it was like anyone who, it was like having two great punches in a ring where one mistake and it could be over. Like they both knew on the mat, one mistake it could be over. That's how good and how well matched it was. And that's what I respected. That's what I appreciated. That's what I got out of it. Um, it was so... It was um, it was going to come down to did somebody make a mistake, you know what was going to, and then there were there was so good where you know again there there was neither one wanted to give the other something to take advantage of, and and the level was so high and it was so close, and then in the third round they were both obviously vying for the win fighting for the edge because it was that close and mostly on the mat. And then in the third round, 
the standing and just great counter punches by Dariush pulled it out, at least in my estimation, separated him and um, gave him the win. Great competitive fight. That's it for that because I know we're moving, baby. I know we're moving like the wind, <laughs> like the wind. You read my mind, but, but I did. <laughs> All right, then. But that was that was a great, great, great match. Great match. Hey guys, want to take a quick minute to shout out to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens AG One. These guys have been with us for a long time. One of the favorite, one of my favorite supplements that I use. Never miss a day. Easy to mix. One scoop right in a bottle of water. Shake it up. Down it goes. It's literally like nature's vitamins. 75 whole food sourced ingredients, antioxidants, uh, vitamins, minerals. You're getting everything. I consider it like an insurance policy for my own health and immunity because even if you're eating the healthiest diet, you still may be missing a few key ingredients or a few key vitamins, etc. And nothing's better than whole food source ingredients. So I love this stuff. Uh, give them a try. Go to athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, the travel packs are invaluable. I take them with me everywhere I go. I've actually started taking an extra one in the evening because when I'm traveling, I'm not sleeping great in hotels. This stuff has me covered. I always wake up feeling a little fresher than if I don't take it. Athleticgreens.com, promo code ATLAS. Get 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Now let's get to the controversial. They very rarely have controversial decisions. I don't want to say very rarely because someone will inevitably send me like 10 different fights that they oh, thought they that got the em. red judges they got, got wrong. They got them. But, but th- th- for, compared to boxing, they, they, they don't have a ton of really bad decisions but i have to say i thought it was a great fight petra Jan, sean o'malley i thought it was a great fight great contrasting personalities obviously if i'm the ufc i definitely want o'malley more than Jan. no offense to Jan, but o'malley sells tickets he's a mini mcgregor for lack of a better term don't ever think don't ever think that We'd be naive to say, we have no proof of nothing, but we'd be naive to say that business doesn't become a factor. I mean, it's like the Godfather of movie where, where Hyman Roth, you know, says to Michael Corleone, he says, hey, you know, it, it was never, he asked him about some kind of decision uh, about something. And he said, hey, it's business. It's not personal. And, and. And it's it's that here too. I mean, you're right. They got a guy who sells more tickets, a guy who has that personality, a guy who has a certain style, a guy who has orange hair, right? All that stuff. And Cardinal McGregor's not around right now. They they want to fill that golf a little bit. Hey, they got Patty the Batty, another guy. And so they want to <laughs> have these personalities, you know, to keep to keep growing the business, to keep the excitement, to keep that edge, that part, that part, not just the killers. I mean, they're all killers. They're all killers. But to I also have the edge of influence. Because, no, it's still an entertainment business. Look, I think that we'd be naive to say, to not mention it. Put it to, we, we are of not course. saying that, 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 uh, that the fight was the judgment or the, the score, or the, the, the decision was, was um, coerced by somebody, was, was tainted. You know, by, all we're saying is that floats above it, that floats in the air. Of course. And, and, no question. Ahead, finish what you want to and, say. And look, I, I, I think they got it wrong, but, um, you know, it was a close fight. It was very competitive for O'Malley with his, with his relative lack of experience in the grand scheme of things to jump up and take out the number one contender. 
even to be in the fight competitive, like I said, I don't think he won, but credit to O'Malley. He, he, he clearly did enough for, for some of these judges to think he did. The fight was incredibly entertaining back and forth O'Malley said he'd never been rocked like that and Jan I think he just like sits back at times he's a little bit too conservative he should have been a little busier in hindsight but well, I'll leave no, the analysis to you no part of it was the length too O'Malley's O'Malley, length yeah. his length helped because 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 Jan has, yeah let me hold on I'm gonna I want to get your whole let me just finish that they're saying that the final scores were um 29 28 for Jan 29 28 O'Malley and two judges had a 29 28 O'Malley and he gets the decision um to your point I thought that O'Malley used his length what you would say in 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 picking this up from working with you for so long all I could think was you saying O'Malley's using his length perfectly he was almost seeming to hit him from across the ring and even my my nine-year-old said dad he seems to be able to punch him from anywhere and the other guy seems to have to get really close so take it away how'd you like the performance from both guys and it's not so much John had dead spots I'll tell you what those dead spots are he can't come in there flailing because he's dealing with a guy who's controlling range who's longer who's got legs who can who can stretch out the ring a little bit, make the ring bigger, who can control space, change the space. So those dead spots you described, they're not really dead spots. What they are is he's he's got to be controlled. He can't be reckless because if he's reckless, he'll get caught before he ever gets to his punch in place. His punch in place is closer. His, his, his destination is to get in close where he can do some damage. And on the way in, he's going through a bad neighborhood. You could get mud going through bad neighborhoods. He knows that. <laughs> he knows that. So what he's doing is he's being he's being controlled and responsible and not flailing away and not leaving himself wide open by getting anxious from too far. And that's where you get those dead spots. But what they really are are responsible spots. What they really are are controlled spots. What they really are is spots where he's got to navigate to a certain place before he opens up. So you're not going to see the hands moving um, because they shouldn't move from too far away. You're not going to see that kind of action right there. So it looks like like he's being dead spots, but but it's thinking, it's it's strategy, it's understanding of what he's dealing with. Uh, listen, with with the striking... O'Malley's terrific. Uh, it reminded me of Roy Jones Jr. a little bit with the kind of skill level that he has, where you know he's where he's getting combinations off, and he's got the long arms, and he's controlling. As I always say, this fight, the first battle in these fights, is the battle for geography. Who's going to get the real estate they need to use their skills to the utmost to have an advantage? And so O'Malley's real estate his geography has to be on the outside jan has to be in close and they both were battling for those you know for those dimensions for that real estate and when o'malley had the outside he had the edge when jan got his hands on him and got in close he's a very strong guy very physical guy much more physical than the wiry you know o'malley when when he got in close, not that o'malley's not strong but when he got in close, he got the edge. Now, what O'Malley also reminded me a little bit was a page out of the book of the tremendous fighter champion Adesanya. And I'll tell you why. 
where Adesanya's strength is striking too, not so much on the floor on the mat, but he's developed where he can survive on the mat, where he has escapability, where he escapes takedowns, where he's like a quarterback who gets out of the pocket and who's not easy to sack, you know. And I saw some of that which really served him. I saw some of that with O'Malley, where he was able to survive when he got taken down, was able to escape a couple takedowns, you know, not all of them, but I saw, like I said, some of that similar to what Azasanya has. And and to his credit, he knows he has to develop in those areas, you know, because you're fighting dimensional guys here. You're not going to always have your way. You're going to have to be able to handle the other guy's territory too. You're going to be, you're going to be visiting his house too, you know, if you're going to be the best. So, it was it was really it was really back and forth in those ways that I just described. Um, the only separation really was when each guy got the exact real estate that they needed that they wanted. Uh, I thought I thought that Jan had the edge. I thought going into the third round it was one one. Some people might have thought it was two nothing for Jan. I thought it was one one. Uh, but I felt Jan had the edge in that third round. And then, but O'Malley did something that I think everyone was waiting to see if he was going to do. And that was to show he was a fighter. I know that sounds absurd, all those absurd, those guys are all fighters. But at that level, to sort of similar to what Sugar Ray Leonard showed in his first fight with Duran, where he showed he was more than a talented guy, a pretty boy. You know, he showed that he was a fighter. He was a warrior. He'd get down and dirty. He had that character. And and people loved him for it. People wanted to see that. They wanted to, they knew he was talented already. I think people wanted to see that also with O'Malley. And O'Malley might have wanted to see it. And and we saw it. We saw that. He does have that. He got tested. He got thrown into the into the you know, into the 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 hot water, you know, he, he got thrown into the deep end in that way, in that kind of way, to be tested. Not what he had on the outside, but what he had on the inside. We already knew what he had on there. He's got a lot of talent. But what did he have on the inside? We found out. He's got it. He's got it. And I think that that was a big part of it, that that he, he came up aces in that area. We already knew Jan had it. Jan has to show it every day. But this guy, because of his great talent, sometimes doesn't really have to show. Sometimes doesn't have to go to that place. But he had to go to that place this time with Jan. And, and he went to that place and he got out. And he, he got out because he had that character. Because he had that it factor. And um, I, again, I, I, I give the edge to Jan, but I can't argue. I can't go crazy because it was a close fight a competitive fight, a tremendous fight, and at the end of the day, taking nothing away from Jan. Jan showed it too, but O'Malley passed the test. He passed the test. I'm not saying you get extra credit for that, but he passed the test that we all wanted to see if he would pass. That yeah, yeah, he knows how to spell that word warrior. He knows how to spell it and he knows how to walk it. So, uh, very, you know, again, 
uh, that Jan kept coming, trying to break him down. You know, like Joe Frazier just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming uh, with the pressure. And, and you could see it was straining. You could see it was straining O'Malley, you know, with his breathing. You know, they both were in tough spots there. But again, O'Malley did what champions, what future champions have to do. They dug down. They dig down. They find. They open up that other room in their house that might never have been opened before. That other room. They find that room. They go to that room that the lights had never been on, and they open it up, and they go in there, and that's what he did. And um, again, good fight, terrific fight. Uh, yeah, I I probably would have gave it to Jan, but uh, yeah, I'm not going crazy. Because of what I just said. The, the guy earned it. Yeah, the agreed. guy earned um, it. The guy earned it. They both earned it. Yep. I, I'll be honest with you, um, Ken. I would have either slightly favored Jan or made it a draw. I know we don't get a lot of draws. Yep. And, and again, did it play into it a little bit that maybe the moneymaker, maybe the next star that you know, everyone's looking for along with Patty the Batty and the other guys with the personality and the talent that that might have been hovering over the ring a little bit. Um, I, I I think it hovers over the ring. I think it, I'm not saying well, that. Well, Teddy, to, your, you know, to, to that point, I would say to the other fighters, if there are any other fighters listening to the show right now, and I know they do listen, you have to remember, your well, your business, your business. your brand. It's it's your company. You don't have to be the. You don't have to go the Conor, the Conor McGregor route. You can go the Volkanovski route of just you know a nice guy. But you have to make yourself available. You have to market yourself. I'm not saying it's fair, but guess what? Nothing in life is fair. But you get what you deserve. And if you put in the time and you create a niche, you find a niche for yourself. Uh, Chell Sonnen made it made, made a niche for himself by being the bad guy. He was the heel, like using a wrestling term. Find an angle, please. If you're but having out, if you're said a young that, guy you're, you're right. coming up. Ken, having said that, I'll throw one thing in there. There's no replacement for one thing. Learning how to fight. <laughs> you have to win. Learning how to fight yeah. and well, becoming a fighter. But here's no, an no, example, no, but Teddy. I'm just saying, Here. Because it goes back to that old, that old, old story joke. Um, you know, with the boxing where there's a club fight going on, you know, every week and you get tough fights in there and the priest, the neighborhood priest goes to the fights the, and these two fighters to get in the ring for the next match and one of them bends down, he looks up at the sky and he crosses himself, you know, uh, in a religious manner and he, and, and then he gets up and then he gets ready to fight and a fight fan, you know, that's been going to the fights for years. He turns to the priest and says, Father, does that really help? And the priest says, only if you can fight, son. And <laughs> that, the same thing. What Ken's talking about, does that really help? Only if you can fight, son. Yeah, get a niche. Yeah, go ahead. Listen to him. He's not wrong. But the most important thing, you better be able to freaking deliver when the freaking delivery man calls, you better be able to freaking fight and behave like a fighter. 
Perfect example. You got two guys that were very, very even, but even on right now, we're addressing it like, hey, maybe O'Malley got the slight edge because he brings, he sells tickets, he he, he puts he puts butts ah, in 100%. seats. Maybe I'm that not, didn't. We maybe it hide, didn't factor we in. We don't hide from elephants in a room. We we don't do that. But O'Malley did come through the furnace. He went through a furnace. He came through the fur furnace, and he blossomed as a real legitimate challenger having gone through that furnace. So that earned it as much as maybe his orange hair and his personality and, you know, his striking style and everything else, you know. And I'll tell you, I, I also thought it was similar. The test that he had to go, everyone gets tested. Everyone's going to get tested. All of you out there, if you're, if you're a financial guy like Ken, if you're a guy that goes to board meetings, if you're a teacher, if you're baseball, football, baseball, if you're, if you're a boxer, if you're, if you're whatever you are, a plumber, whatever you are, whatever great vocation that you have, an endeavor that you have, trade that you have, whatever it is, Sooner or later, you're going to get tested. Whatever that test, emotional, physical, whatever it is, sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to get tested. And then you're going to find out what kind of plumber you really are, what kind of teacher you really are, what kind of doctor you really are, what kind of lawyer you really are, what kind of board uh, member, you know, uh, whatever it is, businessman, Wall Street guy, whatever, that when things go, when the stocks crash all around you, we're going to find out how what you are now. And... um. It was very similar for me to the test that Shimiyov, you know, Shimiyov got when he fought Burns. You know, we knew how... Shimaev. We, yeah, uh, what is it? Shimaev. Shimaev. Yeah, Shimaev. Thank you. That's for, one of the reasons you're always here with me. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And besides, you look good and you, you know, I like you. But, um, <laughs> and you're a great runner and, 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 and a good person. But Shimaev, it was very similar to the test that he got with Burns. We knew how physical he was. We knew how much talent, how much possible future he had. We, we promised and knows that. We knew how destructive he was. We knew all of that. But we didn't know if he could go through the fire. We didn't know what would happen when his talent alone wasn't enough to dominate wasn't enough to carry him. We didn't know that. And we found out in the Burns fight that he had it. He had the character. He had what's inside, not just what's outside. So we found that out with O'Malley. And when you find that out, you know what? It's not hard to say he earned the, he earned the win. And it's not hard to say Jan earned it too. I get it. Yep, well, let's get to one, the one one fight on the card that was not remotely competitive. And uh, this one's a tough for me, tough one for me anytime TJ Dillashaw fights, because I really like him, but he's come out and said, like, yeah, I took Epo, I, I cheated. And in a combat sport, I don't think there's any room for it, especially, you know, when you're acknowledging, like, yep, I made that decision, I did it. He, he took responsibility, which, I mean, I guess credit to him. He did not crying about tainted beef or something else and making excuses. Uh, he did what he did. So anyway, he gets the sh he gets a title shot uh, not long after serving his two-year suspension. Um, like I said, I've met him before. Well, he I like fight. TJ he personally. He won a fight to get it, Ken. We, we, oh, of course. No, no, yeah. no, no, no question. He, no, no, he's I don't want he's some, a great fighter. I don't want some people to think that you're suggesting he just got it. He did have to win. No, no, he no. He did have to win that fight to get it. I mean, you know, after the after yeah. being away for 
the length of time that you just, I'm not sure what the length was, but whatever it was you just said. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw, let me see. I'm going to tell you exactly what he had to do. Um, before he got there, he, uh, who did he beat? He beat uh, Corey Sanhagen, and he lost the title yes. fight before that to Henry Cejudo. Um, nevertheless, he gets the title shot. He gets in with Aljo. Now, apparently, uh, unbeknownst to anyone coming into the fight, he had separated his shoulder, had a serious shoulder injury, and it kept popping out to the point where the announcer said he wasn't at the public workouts. He wasn't hitting pads. He wasn't doing anything. And sure enough, Aljo took him down in the first round. Shoulder popped out, and he clearly couldn't defend himself. And I, I, I'm surprised the ref actually didn't stop it. Um, Aljo just swarmed and mauled him for a round and they eventually like it, it was that was actually very interesting the um the corner man massaged his shoulder put it back into the socket he came back out though you could tell the ref was about to stop it and uh, they let him go again and aljo just destroyed him just one-sided beat down very awkward situation for everyone involved because he was clearly compromised he said for weeks before the fight but listen like we said it's a business if he doesn't take the fight he ain't getting paid and he probably was getting big money to show up as a former champion. He's got a big personality, big name. I'm sure everyone on that card was getting paid very well to go over to the Middle East to have the fight. And um, he took the fight. You could make the argument selfishly um, and just got destroyed. And Aljo, hey, credit to him. He did everything he had to do and walked right through TJ and on to the next one. And that's, you know, even for Aljo, that's a big money fight as the defending champion. Pay-per-view points. Now he gets another title fight. So and I'm happy for him. I like him and his cornermen, Ray Longo, Matt Sarah. Shout out to those guys. I don't know if Matt was there. I know they had some kind of disagreement at one point, but I love Matt Sarah and uh, Ray Longo. Two gentlemen. They're big fans of the show. Big fans of Teddy Atlas. And um, congrats to the whole team out on Strong Island um, at the uh, Matt Sarah gym. Again, I'm not sure if they trained at Sarah's gym this time, but I know they're all part of the same team. Ally Aquinta in the corner. But um, what'd you think? Again, not much to analyze there. It was one sided just destruction well, of a one-armed fighter. Something, there's, something to, there's something to appreciate and there's something to point out, even though it's, you know, it's. I think it's obvious to anybody who's a sports fan uh, and watches these things, but Sterling is so damn physically strong and dominant on the mat. He's a beast. I mean, the guy, that's not... The genetic beast. That's, this yeah, guy's that's, got a physique uh, like a statue. 100%. Let's not lose sight of that. You know, talking about all this other stuff. I. That's why I start with that. He's a beast, and um, the only chance that Dillashaw had was to strike, you know, because this this guy's that dominant, I think, anyway, uh, on the mat, and that physical and that good. And, you know, he was going to have to survive spots on the floor and do what he had, and you can't survive it if you have a compromised shoulder. If your shoulder popped out, and, it, you know, obviously the strain that's put maybe you could survive it a little bit striking but when you get taken to the mat to strain by this physical beast that's put on those joints you're, you're not surviving it it's not happening you know mentally i give him all the credit in the world to the show that he, he you know he wasn't tapping he wasn't you know he, he was he was still trying he was like watching a movie braveheart with mel gibson i mean he was in in life in life, you know, sequence instead of just a movie. I mean, that's what he was. He was Braveheart. But um, we learned that the only time you can really, in reality, pop your shoulder back in and then go and fight at the level that he would have been demanded to fight at is really in a Lethal Weapon movie with Mel Gibson. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the only time. Yeah, to your point, only in a only in a fake movie would you be able to do that. He would have had a hard time with Sterling on his best day, yeah. but with the no, one no, arm, I mean, it wasn't happening. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Mel Gibson slammed his shoulder into the pole and popped it back and grimaced. <laughs> ah, you know, and it made me hurt. It hurt me when I saw it. Uh, you know, uh, but and then he went on. He kicked somebody's butt. But that ain't that ain't happening in uh, that ain't happening in the real world. So, listen. I think the biggest question you talked about it beautifully. I think the best question, biggest question, that has to be dealt with at the aftermath of this all, is that he was very uh, honest about it. He said it, he purposely did not. They wanted the producer wanted to show some B roll in a in a locker room where he was hitting the pads, refused to hit the pads. Now we know why. Refused to have open workouts. Now we know why, you know. So we know, we understand. But he said it. He actually said, yeah, in my training in camp, it popped out, we popped it back in. So he actually, you know, so again, he was fully open about that. And that brings the question, was the audience dubbed? Again, we put it all out there. Was the audience improperly or the fans improperly duped into buying a ticket or a pay-per-view if if that was the guy they wanted to see you know because he was compromised because you know you were you were buying damaged goods and and should the audience have known about that should we have known about that should have you been allowed in the ring um you know compromised to that level and that I think that's the big question. Does that change the way that UFC does their business or approaches their fights now? I know in boxing that they have, you were there with me, Ken, in a camp, so you saw it. I know the day before the fight, when we have to weigh in, you have to also go get a physical, you know, a quick physical, but a physical where the doctor checks your hands, he checks your arms, he makes sure you can lift them, he makes sure you can do this, you know, all just general stuff. Um you know, you're supposed to be ready, right? So he just... Took- By the way, he got paid 120 k TJ did, and as I said, if he doesn't show up, there's 120000 no, no, less. I get he's paid his people. I understand the reasons behind it. I understand, uh, you know, the motive, the motivation. I, yeah, I, I just wanted it. to give you all, this, no, no, all no. the stats. Yeah, thank you. I No, I get that. Listen, uh, but... Should he have been allowed to go in there with people thinking they're going to get, you know, 100% Dillashaw and that kind of fight? If, oh, they're not going to be happy with them no, in, no, but, uh, back at the home no. office. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't know if they do an exam like a physical. I would assume they do the, the day before when they do the weigh-in. That, that could get picked up. Okay, that's, it wasn't picked up. But should the UFC start looking now, maybe a week out, to send a doctor or somebody to camp, you know, or, or make the camp come to them, whatever, and a week before and do, you know, a physical to see if, you know, uh, that he's, that something like this doesn't happen again, that, that he's, he's okay, that he's not compromised in those kind of areas where he shouldn't be getting in the octagon. You know, it's tough enough to get in there healthy. And, and the other thing I would say is, was there a responsibility? Should there be a fine that it wasn't reported? Uh, again, this is fair. I know it's tough, but we're in the tough business. And should should he be fined that, again, you know, he didn't divulge that 
he was compromised. And therefore, you know, there are ramifications. The audience, the fans might be upset that they, they that was the fight they were looking to buy, whatever. There were other great fights. So I'm not saying that's the case, but that they didn't get their money's worth. Uh, and, and again, that it's a risky business, but now, now a guy's being put at even more risk getting in there where he's compromised physically in that kind of way. So again, should there be a responsibility on the camp? on a fighter, that they got to report such things. You just can't. Now listen, I, in the history of my sport, that, uh, this, is, this is nothing new. Fighters have gone, I know fighters going into fights with broken hands. I know fighters, yeah, uh, going in, you know, with, with cuts and they hide the cut. They put makeup on so you don't see the cup. I, I understand the reality of that. Why do they do it? They do it because, one, they... They want to get paid. That might be part of it, obviously, that they, they want to make the payday. But also, there's two other parts. They want the opportunity. That might be their last chance to fight for the title or their last chance to fight whatever fight that is that's going to get them to the next place. And they might not get it again. And so they, they, they don't want to blow it. They don't want to lose that opportunity. And number three, they're fighters. So they have the mentality that I'll overcome it. Because that's what fighting, the definition for Teddy Atlas and a fighter, someone to say, Teddy, what is it? Guy who uses a jab well, guy who's got good balance, guy who's got good foot, puts combinations. No, no. It's a guy who knows how to overcome. It's a guy who fights. A guy who finds a way to overcome. That's the definition of a fighter. So in the basic mentality of these guys is that I'll find a way to overcome because that's what it's all about. I'll find a way. And when you go to a camp, there's always your dinged up. You go to a football camp. You think these football players are healthy or 100%? No. Some of them have broken arms. They got a cast over the arm. I, I, I mean, it's, it's incredible. But they go in there because it's worth the risk, because it's what they do, because they're in that business. It's part of the, it's part of the job description for these guys, part of the mentality that you have to have. It's not for everybody. It's not the opera, okay? So, so again, they go in there. It's been done in boxing for years. They go in there and they find a way to overcome, they, even though they're hurt. But should there now be a responsibility, having gone through this experience, where the UFC mandates that you tell us if you're compromised. Forget about that you're going to overcome it. Forget about that you still want to fight because you don't want to blow the opportunity, the purse, whatever. That you have a responsibility. Otherwise, you're going to be suspended. Otherwise, you're going to be fined. It has to be thought about. I think that, I think that what I'm bringing up here is fair. And, and I, I think I addressed all dimensions of it because I get it. I get doing it. I, I understand, but I'm not talking about when you're dinged up, where you got a bruised knuckle, or, or where you got a little nick on your eye. I'm talking about something a lot more serious and severe than that, which was obviously a joint in the shoulder that had been compromised, had popped out during camp, in his own words, should he have been in that freaking ring or in that octagon. So I, I, I think... We covered it all. At the end of the day, Sterling's a beast. Um, you know, and uh, I know there's going to be people going to say, oh, Teddy, and to Ken's point, they're going to say, hey, Teddy, hey, Ken, you know, the reason why Dillashaw's joints 
uh, were compromises because of his steroid <laughs> use, because of his PED use, because, you know, that weekend, I don't know that. You don't know that. Who knows? We know you're not supposed to take that stuff. We know that there's consequences to taking that stuff. And we know there's rules not to take that stuff. At the end of the day, we also know that he went into the octagon compromised. And um, he's a warrior. He behaved like a warrior. But there's an issue with that. And it's got to be dealt with. And uh, we also know one other thing. Sterling is a monster. <laughs> that goes without saying. Congrats to Aljo taking care of business. Uh, the rain continues. Guys, also want to give a shout out to today's newest sponsor, Olipop. Get it popping with Olipop. Um, guys, healthy soda as opposed to like 39 grams of sugar with, uh, with a typical can of unhealthy soda. You're only getting three to five grams of sugar. Sorry, nine grams of sugar in every... Uh, in every can, nine grams of prebiotics. I mean, I love this stuff. I let my kids drink it. Um, two out of three Americans say they suffer from digestive issues. Um, this Olipop has uh, a plant fiber, tons of prebiotics and botanicals, really good for gut health. I love to take this after a hard workout. As soon as I get back, I'm always dying for some, uh, you know, water or hydration mix. But I love to have an Olipop. They have a huge array of, of flavors, orange, grape, uh, the vintage cola and the root beer are great. Give them a try. Go to Oli, drinkolipop.com and enter the promo code ATLAS. They'll give you 25% off your purchase. Um, again, just to be clear, two, two grams of sugar versus about 39 grams with a can of Coke. So give these guys a try, drinkolipop.com. Use the promo code ATLAS for 25% off your first purchase. Shout out to today's sponsor, Feel Free, botanictonics.com. Again, use the promo code ATLAS for 40% off your purchase. I love this stuff. It's a kava-based botanic tonic. I drink it before workouts in the morning. Sometimes I take it before the show. It gives me a little boost of energy. It also has a calming effect. It's really uh, a quite a unique product. Everyone I speak to that tries it loves this stuff. Botanictonics.com, promo code ATLAS, 40% off. Let's get right into the main event. Um, wow, what a performance from uh, Islam Makachev gets the win over Charles Oliveira. My God, when he got in that arm triangle, it was instantaneous. As soon as he sunk it in, I thought it was the, the tap came quickly. Um, no doubt it was in there tight. Charles is a high level jujitsu practitioner, so for a guy like that to tap from that kind of choke 100%. is uh, he has it been was submitted locked in. in the first part of his yes. career before he became a champion. Oliveira has been submitted. We we should put that's right. We and should the, put that out there. That's all. Go ahead, Ken. And and the knock on him previously had been that he kind of I don't want to say quit but that he submitted very quickly in the past and that he if there was a knock on him the, the talk was that he wasn't as mentally tough as some of the other guys I think he dismissed some of those rumors or speculation in the reign that he's been on yes. and the people that he's been well, able with Chandler, to be with the Chandler fight was was perfect of that exactly and, and, and yep you know perfect and, and a, yep. a few of those fights to be quite frank and then, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this was pretty one-sided for the most part. And uh, Makachev uh, brings the title back to uh, Dagestan for the um, 
for the Khabib camp. And Khabib is uh, on a hell of a run here from his own undefeated record to now the guys that he's training. My God, they have quite an impressive camp. Those guys could uh, wrestle a bear. Uh, they you do. know, like I think no, of no, Muhammad Ali. Uh, wrestle an alligator. They do wrestle <laughs> bears know, when they're kids. Yeah. You know, they're yep. not teddy bears. They're um, bears. They're bears. Yeah, that's right. They got, so they got claws. Hodge. How'd you like the performance? And uh, I'm also, what do you think about this, uh, the, the idea of him challenging Volkanovski? I love Volkanovski. He's one of my favorite guys. Just the personality, well, he's been on the our confidence. Show. We love him too. Course, he's one of our guys. Friend of the he's show. He's one of our guys. That's right. Listen, here's my yep. answer for everything. For me going in, I, at least for me, I think a lot of people, I thought that Marcus... Uh, Markovchev, am I pronouncing it right? Mark, Markovchev, right? Markovchev? Um, Markovchev, that's right. I thought that Markovchev... That's, that's right, Islam Markovchev. Yeah, I thought that Markovchev... I'm trying not to take the easy way and just say Islam, but I'll take Islam. <laughs> okay, I thought that Islam could be the next Khabib, and this fight would tell us if that was possible. Well, we found out it's possible. It's po I don't know if that's possible for anybody to be Khabib, he might be the GOAT. He's one of the possible GOATs out there with guys like Anderson Silva, John Jones, you know, uh, and Pierre. Uh, you know, I, I never put the proper letters together, SPV, whatever, uh, St. Pierre. Um, uh, there's a few of them out there on the list, on a short list. GSP. Uh, yeah, GSP. But he could be the next Khabib as far as what that, what makes sense. And you mentioned about Khabib having all these guys in his stable. Let me tell you something. It's got something to do with Khabib, but it's got something to do with the region of the world they come from. They breed warriors. They breed, it's almost tribal. They, they cultural. They breed these kind of warriors. Not only in teaching them how to wrestle and how to grapple and how to do all that stuff on the floor, which is a huge part of it, and to gain the physical strength, but the mental part and the code. The cold that if you come from here, you're, you have a cold that can't be broken, that's taken very seriously, very seriously. There's a pride to it. There's a, where, where, you know, there's a commitment to that cold that you will behave like we do, that you will follow and make us proud, that you will carry on this cold. You will carry it in you, in your blood, in your veins, in your actions, in your behavior. And they do. That's a big part of it. That's a big, big part. Where are you going to get that? You're going to get that over here? It's not too easy. It's not too easy. So that's a part of it in the learning of the things they learn on that mat, on that floor. But the mentality, the mentality. So I see it. I see the similarities, and he, um, I picked him to win this. I think a lot of people did. He was the favorite, but a lot of people picked Oliveira too. They thought that you know uh, he he was he was gonna he he was gonna short circuit this ride, but he didn't. Uh, and as always, a battle of geography, and as good as. As you touched on, Ken, Oliveira is on the mat. That's right where Makachev wanted to be. And he went right there, weren't in the first round. Now, here's the thing for me, in my analysis, in my eye. 
He sent a message. He sent a mental, physical message right there in the first round to the champion. I will come in. Because Oliveira is great. Great. You said it, Ken. Jiu-Jitsu, the master, everything. He is great on the floor. He sent the message there. I ain't waiting around. First round. I am coming into your home. And I'm getting you. Into your home. Into where you live. Right into your house. I'm coming right <laughs> here for you. And there's not a damn thing you could do about it. That was the message he sent. And I think it was received. That was the message in the first round. And that was a big message. And then he went and he finished the job. Um, I, he, uh, I, I think that... Uh, I thought that what really cemented Khabib pound for pound, you know, the trainer of, of Makachev, the, the GOAT, what really cemented, and I, I, see those, I saw the similarity and I found it very interesting, what cemented his real, keeping his status as number one pound for pound, Khabib's, was his ability and his growth in the striking department. We know how great he was on the floor. But when he improved as a striker, there was no beating Khabib. Because there was no weak areas to attack. I thought that was the difference. The biggest difference in this fight was Makachev's improvement in striking. I really do. If if Oliveira had, had no chance striking, then he had no chance. Because as good as he was on the floor, he wasn't beating Khabib number two on the floor. So he had to mix it up with the striking. And when the striking came in second, when Makachev had shown his, dropped him, dropped him with a little short counter hook uh, off of the right hand, after the right hand finished with the hook beautifully, when he dropped him and just, again, dominated with the striking as well as the floor, and with that message he sent in the first round, and then he drops him. I think, I think the memo was gotten. I think the memo was gotten by Oliveira. Like, lights out, lights out. There, there, there's, there's no way I could beat this guy. And I sent a tweet out to everybody out there. How do you make an argument you can beat this guy now when there's no weak area anymore to attack? And that was kind of the thing with Khabib. So I saw the same thing. When Khabib improved in the striking, lights out. And now maybe lights out for anybody who wants to beat this guy. You know, maybe he moves up and wait. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. But I think I covered the analysis, the breakdown. I also want to say how striking it was that Magachev, how much bigger he looked, how much stronger you know, than Oliveira, who, like I said, is usually a monster, you know, on the mat. But Makachev looked like a, and I asked, I asked my man Rob to get something up on this, Ken. You're going to get a giggle out of this. But for me, he looked like a giant squid, 
getting on top of Oliveira, like <laughs> like like one of those pictures from you know uh, from the old movies where the giant octopus, the giant squid, the octopus. Like, gets on top <laughs> of the boat. You know what I mean? And he engulfs the yeah, boat, yeah, or he engulfs the sea creature. I mean, that's what he looked like. Like he just got on top of like a giant squid. He got on top of Oliveira and he just squeezed him till there was nothing left to squeeze. You know, he just squeezed the fight out of him. He squeezed everything out of him. And um, no contest at the end of the day. Now, here's the contest. Here's the now. There's a now. He fights the great Volkanowski, who we just touched on it. He's one of our special guys. He's been on this show. But because of his style, because of his his demeanor, because of his mental makeup, because of his abilities, all of it, but his mental makeup. I mean, that guy, when he fought Medina, was it Medina? Well, who was it? In, in which one's last fight? Volkanowski fought, not his last fight, not against... Uh, not against another great guy. Oh, when he fought not, not, um, not against, T-City, Ortega. Yeah, Ortega. Not, not the one that he fought the last one against... Uh, yeah, Ortega uh, uh, when he had him in yeah, a triangle not against and Max uh, Holloway. guillotine. Yeah, not Max Holloway. Uh, we love Max Holloway too. Great, just great. But he he fights Ortega. Listen, when your nickname is the... What was it, Ken? The tri, triangle or something? T-City. Right, when you're called T-City, T-City for his triangles. Ken. When you're fighting a guy named T-City, you know what? <laughs> You'd probably be well advised not to freaking get caught in a T-hole because you're in there with <laughs> T-City. I mean, don't get into a choke hold on the floor, a T-hole against T-City. It probably makes great advice. Well, guess what? Volkanowski got into one. And guess what? He got out of it. He looked like he had a convulsion. He looked like the exorcist. Like there was someone was really that somebody was doing an exorcism on him. Uh, Rob, get that up too. Get that replay if you can up of when Volkanovski got out of that 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 hole. That looked like there was no way he got. I mean, he he was like Houdini. He was like Houdini, except Houdini never was getting choked as he was trying to get out from the chains and that chest underwater. He was being choked out. I mean, really, he did look like they were doing an exorcism. His whole body started vibrating, started going into convulsions, and he got out of it. Um, just, I can't, I understand. I just said it. I can't see, I, it's going to be hard to beat Mark, Markachev. But, I can't count out a man like Volkanovski because of how special he is, because of those special ingredients that he has that we just talked about, uh, both the, and and his physical abilities and and technical skills at striking and even on the mat, finding ways to survive and do as we just talked about whatever he has had to do. But Magachev is so much bigger, you know. I had to laugh. I had to laugh when when he he knows Magachev is all business, but he knows how to entertain. He's like Triple G used to be, you know, when he would say, uh, "I bring, I bring." Uh, what what he used to say on H Big Drama Show. I bring the drama show. You know, serious guy. <laughs> big you know, Drama Show. Big Drama Show. Serious guy. You know, but 
I bring big drama show. Magachev didn't have to say much. He knew what to say. When they had it all set up for Volkanovski to challenge, you know, for him to challenge Volkanovski and Volkanovski accepted the challenge, I had to laugh when Makachev said, bring that little man to me. <laughs> that was that was really Ken. That was to your point of having a little a little. You don't have to be Patty the Batty. You don't have to be Conor McGregor. You don't have to go to that That's level. Right. You don't you don't have to be uh, O'Malley. But have a little something. Find a little something. And you're right. And he he knew what to say. That was that was really brilliant. He said, "Bring yeah. bring that little man to me." Bring him to me. So the little man jumped right in there because he ain't so little. He's little in stature, but he's not little anywhere else. He jumped right in. Nope. He jumped right in that freaking cage. And here he is. Here's the little. And and uh, you could see DC right away. He, you know what's funny? DC, when, gave when him DC a was like, guys, he, don't, yeah, because don't he, let him. Because he wasn't sure. Because he wasn't sure with these guys, the way that they're wired. Nah, he wasn't sure. You know, and they're so no, proud. But that's what I want to say is that. Yeah, you don't know the way they're wired. I would have bet all my. I would have no, bet all the tea happening. in China. No. Those two guys aren't going to no. do anything. They're, they're professionals. They're you know hat. that. You know what you're 100%. getting. They know what they are, and they don't do that, and they don't have to do that. But DC knows what he's doing too, and was like hyping it up, like guys, guys, he don't knew. fight. He, like he knows he they're wanna, not going to yeah, do he was, that. He knew what he was doing, but he also didn't want to take a chance. <laughs> but because that's <laughs> those are those are explosive guys, volatile guys. You Very. never know, and so it's it's like being on a hair finger a trigger, hair trigger, and something could go off. <laughs> something could go off. Yeah, you know, don't play with guns. Don't point guns at people. Yeah, never point a gun. I don't care. You think it's unloaded? Don't point a gun at somebody. They brought these two guns in there. Don't point them at each <laughs> other. So, well, so DC you know. did his job. But I'll tell you, yeah, Markachev is a lot bigger than him. Yeah, he is small, you know, in in, in physical stature. And yeah, it's it's going to be a hell. Of, it's going to be a hell, of, a hell of uh. <laughs> Uh, just a, a, a hell of a mission for Volkanovski to find a way. Now, look, in the past, I would have said before the other night, Volkanovski can beat him up striking, maybe dominate him. And it's like, Volkanovski's so good. I mean, to dominate someone as good as Max Holloway, you got to be pretty good. So I would have yeah. said maybe he dominates him in the strike and he avoids... He avoids and he survives the takedowns on the floor when he's on the floor because you're never going to avoid 100% with Michael Chap because that's what he does. He's going to get you to the floor because he's determined to get you there because he lives. He lives to get you there because when he wrestled the Bears, the Bears taught him that. Get him there. So now I would have said, okay, Volkanovski, yeah, I could see it. I could see a path. But now that Makachev has improved so much in the striking. That pad's going to be a lot more difficult. It, 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 it's going to, you know, it's like a couple boulders. It's like a pad up in the mountains. And there's a certain pad to get there. And all of a sudden, some boulders fell into one of the pads. Now there's only, now, now, now it's harder to get there. Now you got to find a new path. Now you got to find a new entryway. So it's very, it's going to be a very, Difficult mission um, for Volkanovski. But again, I'm not counting out 
that little man. I'm not who's a giant where it counts. Who's a giant in the dimensions that it counts, in the areas that it counts. I ain't counting that guy out. I don't know. I'm, I can't. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll be there watching. I'll, be, I'll tune it in. I'll tune it in on the pay-per-view. I'll, and I'll be watching it. And we'll be reporting on it before and after. And you'll be there with me every inch of the way to bring it to the people. So, one other thing. Customato said to me, you know, I talked about the special something that, uh, that Makachev has. Uh, just, just, and I, something just where it's in the belief system. Customato told me that there were only two fighters he ever saw that had it. He called it supreme confidence, a belief that they could never lose. And there's a strength to that. There's a powerful strength to that. And Cuz told me the only two fighters he ever knew that had it was Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali. And I see that. I see that in Makachev. But you know what? I also see it in Volkanovski. That's what makes it interesting for me. Well, Terry, uh, boxing in keeping up with the, uh, trying to keep up with the UFC, they've done it again. They're delivering three freaking bangers to close out the year. We're getting Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora. You know you've been waiting for this. We're getting Terrence Crawford again. Let me make sure I got the name right. Terrence Crawford. Nope, I don't want to see him with, but I don't want to see him with Spence. He's getting David Avanasian who only has three losses. He's been knocked out by Mean Machine, but we're getting it. I know you've been waiting for by it. By the way, he was knocked out by Mean Machine. Mean uh, Machine. But, but listen. Yeah, who but, wouldn't, but, who but, wouldn't get knocked out by Mean yeah, Machine at but, the top of the... But then we also, we, we give the fans everything. We give them the full x-ray. But Crawford knocked out Mean Machine. Who knocked out? Yeah, but that I, doesn't I was, matter. No, no. Teddy Styles make fights. You know, having a sign is you're, a perfect I know, opponent for Crawford. This is gonna be this is gonna be even money, and then we're gonna get Errol Spence. Looks like he might fight Aminatas. What kind of even money though? Stan- uh, in what uh, in what donate? In, uh, in what? It's probably plus one ten, minus one ten. Oh, Take yeah. your pick. I, but, uh, but, over under eleven and a half even money. What kind of money is gonna be? Use for that is it monopoly money is it uh sure is it real cash money because and then uh, teddy we're getting the other one you've been waiting for this we've been talking about it again errol spence against eminias stanionis the lithuanian fighter he's 14 and oh teddy's knocked out nine guys we're getting it with all those fights hey, by the end of the matter. year i, I don't it even know how matter. do you control Look, the enthusiasm that it doesn't matter Holy that one cow. of those guys used to be your chauffeur, you know, because, no, no, it don't, because if you're a chauffeur for Ken, that's a high esteem position. It is. It is. Driving that, oh, driving that two, two, two block long limo. Uh, really. Can you imagine that these are the fights we're going to get? I love Terrence Crawford. We don't really know Errol Spence. But what the hell? I mean, come on. This is Ken, like. Ken, the way you is, went into that was brilliant. And, and got everyone's attention. And you know what? To that point, don't you wish, and, and I know this is a, 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 a just a, obviously a, a, a question that doesn't have to be asked uh, after what you just said and after what we just went through. It's, it's, but um, don't you just wish that boxing could take a little page 
out of UFC and that these guys would be just a half as willing to do what these UFC fighters are willing to do, which is to get in with anybody. I mean, Volkanovski doesn't even hesitate. We know what a monster Makachev is, and Volkanovski has the title. Not even hesitating. Not even that. Now listen, I'm not blaming it all on the fighters. I mean, no, I we, agree. We, I think we, those fighters have, would fight yeah, anyone, yeah, I, but the I, business I, I, people involved are making a mess of this. But making there, a there's mess. There's other elements. There's other things to consider. First of all, the the way this business works, UFC does have an edge. They have Dana White. They have one guy, hundred percent, guy right. who they runs everything. A- it's his way or the highway. You're getting in tough fights because that makes the brand good. That keeps the brand healthy. That keeps the business healthy. And it's good for everybody. It's good for Dana, yeah. But it, but it's good for the brand. It's good for it's good for the UFC brand, and the fighters will prosper for that. Uh, you know, do they get the huge money? People say, oh, they are. the certain ones do. Certain, you have a chance to get to there. Even more so since Conor McGregor came around. You got a chance to get yep. to that place. But you're not going to be given layups. You're not going to be given slam dunks. But is it a disservice or a service? Well, I have to say, you can make a big argument it's a service to the fans that they that you they know what they're getting and they're going to be there because they know they're going to get competitive fights no matter what. And I'll tell you where it's another service. It's a service where fighters like eight with eight losses. Yeah, I said it. Eight losses, which is a death sentence. One loss, two losses, death sentence, the way boxing treats it and the way that the network's treated and the way the promoters treat it. But not in UFC. A guy with eight losses could go in there, get a title fight, and win. Why? Because he's been developed, because he's been forged, because he's been through the fire. He he has learned how to fight. With his losses, he has become the fighter. He has reached his full potential as a fighter. That doesn't always happen with fighters. They're navigated to 20 and 0, 16 and 0, 17 and 0, whatever. And and they don't necessarily get the fights that they need to become the best they can become. They get the fights they need to get on network TV to get to that payday. They get that but not to become necessarily the best fighter ready for somebody that might be lurking in their shadow someday, waiting for them, that has developed in those areas more than just their record. So in the end, it's a bit of a service that these fighters learn how to fight, become the best they can, they get forced to do that, and then they still have a chance with six, seven, eight, nine losses to still make money, to still fight the best, to, to still win a world title. And there's something to be said about that. And again, it's, it's only fair to, again, remind people, the advantage of the UFC is you got one guy running the show, he makes the rules, and you got to abide by those rules. You got four power brokers in boxing, basically. That's it. And they don't care about the brand of boxing. They don't care about the over... the, the over. They don't care about uh, the... The health of the sport. They don't care about the fans. I got to be honest. They don't care day to day about the fans or the health of the sport. Uh, They care about their piece of property 
and making the most money on that piece of property. Their piece of property is their staple of fighters. They care about protecting that, keeping that, having their sugar daddy. Their sugar daddies, yeah, there's sugar daddies everywhere. Their sugar daddy is the network. They they care about keeping their, their stable undefeated or close to it with their stars and signing new kids coming up, keeping them with those glossy records where the network love it, where the network can put it out and say, look at this undefeated guy fighting, come watch it. So they care about that and they care about the money that that earns them. They don't care about the overall sport and the welfare of the overall sport. They don't care about making the best matches unless unless it happens to fit into their, into their spectrum of things where it works for them right then. They don't care about uh, making the best match for the fans. They care about making sure that they control both ends of the match, that they control both fighters, that they control the promotion, that they control the money. They have the power. That's what they care about. They don't allow the fighters to go across the street and fight some other fight that we want, that the fans want. They don't allow that. No, 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 no. You're not going across the street because you might not come back because I might lose you. And I can't control the promotion where I, I can steal the money. I didn't mean to say steal. Where, where I can make the most profit by controlling both ends of the, pro, uh, controlling the whole promotion. So I'm not letting that happen. Does it happen once in a while? Yeah. Yeah, it happened, it happened some years ago with Mayweather and Pacquiao. But the problem was it happened five years too late. When the demand for it got so big, it had to happen, but it was five years too late. They were past their prime. Pacquiao was past his prime. So is that going to happen again here? There's a danger to it? I don't know. The one X factor here that's going for it, and again, I'm not blaming the fighters, I'm, but I'm also not completely saying, because I'm not naive, that the fighters don't have a say, don't have a way of demanding but at the end, demanding I get in with this guy. You're, you work for me, the promoter. You work for me. I, I want this fight. So they can do that. But it still is business. It is still business. And these fighters risk everything. So they deserve to make as much cash as they can. I cannot begrudge Terrence Crawford, who I think is the best fighter in the business right now. I cannot begrudge him for making a pot of money against the lesser opponent if someone's willing to give him that pot of money. And then, in between, because he made it clear from what I could see, there's always two sides to a story. I'm not blaming this one or that one and saying this one's right, this one's wrong. I'm just putting it all out there. He wanted to fight before the year end. He wants to stay active. He's a real fighter, like Spencer's. Yeah, he wants to make money. Yeah, he's 35 years old, whatever he is, and, and he's got to make it. You better, start, you better make it now. You better make as much as you can now. He understands that. So if a, if a promoter is going to hand him a pot of money to fight a lesser guy, a safer guy, and he said, he said, if, if we could make this fight now, we'll do it. But it, it bogged down for whatever, whoever's fault it was. He said, I'm not going to sit around and wait. He understands how the business, he don't know how long it could be. It could be another six months, another year. Who knows? But he said, I want to stay active, number one, and I'm going to make a pot of money somebody's willing to give me to stay active with a safe opponent. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, that's right. Now, I think Spence wants to fight too. I think he does too. But the one who was locked in, Spence, locked in with PBC with Heyman. Now, the... 
Crawford left Aram. Top rank. That was in the way before. It's not in the way no more because he's a free agent now. Although he's just signed with a new promoter, I guess, who's willing to give him this kind of money. You know, I don't know how long the, the, the agreement is. I don't know how many fights it is, whatever. But he signed with a new promoter who wants to make a splash. A splash with Crawford, right? And they're going to sell it for the right price, maybe. $39, right? Uh, $39.99, whatever. Uh, thank God it's under 40 Right, Ken? With Christmas coming. Thank God it's under $40. <laughs> if it was over 40 that was my breaking point. So he... See, Ken, I could be as sarcastic as you. So he goes and he, so he's making this, so the new promoter comes along and going to give him this money. He's going to make a splash. He hopes he is. And, but, and he hopes he doesn't lose his lungs. I think he might lose his lungs. Uh, keeping the price down, maybe he sells enough. I don't know. For this fight, I don't know. I love Crawford, but he was never a guy that sold a lot on his own. He's good. He's very good. He's the best fighter in the world, I think. And 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 his sell, his sell. But I think he needs someone to sell it with, maybe. There's not too many guys that can sell it alone. Not too many. We'll find out. But at that price, it helps. It makes it a little easier. But they're giving him a lot of money. And it's his biggest payday ever. I can't blame him for taking it. I can't blame Crawford for taking it. But... I could see another. What's what was that promoter that that was doing the Cambosis, uh, 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 Primo, Lopez? What was it? Triller, 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 Triller. Now Triller. They were a flash in a pen. Yeah. Now Triller came along. They were gonna, you know, all guns blazing. They were gonna make a splash, right? They did make a splash, right to the bottom of the ocean. But anyway, they they were gonna make a splash, <laughs> and. They promised Teofimo all this money. They had to give him some guarantees. The big money, Teofimo, you know, left top rank for the minute, went over there to make the money. Can't blame him. Can't blame him. And make all this big money against uh, Cambosis, who didn't realize how tough a fight it was. But he, he goes <laughs> in there and uh, makes all the... And what happens? Well... The new promoter, the new kid on the on the, on the block, maybe found out why these other grizzled promoters, cheap stakes, right? Cheap, cheap, cheap these cheap, these cheap stakes. Uh, they, they, they don't give the money out, but they know what they're doing. They only give out what they think it can make. Yeah, they, they try to get the best of it, the promoters. There's no doubt about that, and and you know, make it for themselves. But they also know. They know the parameters of what monies make sense. And there was no way, you know, Aram them, they were being maybe cheap, let's say, who knows. But but in all fairness, not that I like Aram, but in all fairness, Spence made a lot of money over there. He made good money. But they... He could have made good money with any No, no, with anyone. But, but here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. But he made it with him. And before yeah. he became big. And here's the thing. He don't owe him nothing. He don't owe him nothing. So he's a free agent now. But when they did the thriller and when Teofimo left Aaron for a minute and he went over there to fight Camboza and take the, you know, again, the bag of money, more money than the other promoters offered. There's a reason for it. Because <laughs> it was flopping. Because it wasn't selling. And what did Thriller, Chiller, Killer, you know, Magilla, what did, what did they do? They had to, what did they do? They had to close shop. 
They had to drop out. They had to take a loss. And they had, I don't know if they lost 10 million. I don't know what the freak they lost. But a because lot. you never know what to believe, what to read, what to believe in this business. Who's telling the truth? Well, all you Who's need not, to know is to, they're not in the business anymore. Yeah, that's all you need to do, uh, know. Uh, f- you know, f- uh, clothes out of business. You know, you go buy their clothes. You know, the shades <laughs> are down. So... <laughs> so I don't know how long this try new, to hand, I don't try know to how long this new kid on the block shorts. this new kid on the block <laughs> handed out all this money and I'm so glad that a, a fighter like Crawford's getting it I am I'm so glad but I don't know how long they're going to be around who knows we'll see but in the meantime the fight we want is not happening uh, everybody I think I laid it out the right way everybody deserves some some responsibility and fault towards that. Hopefully it'll happen now soon. Um, you know, I believe that money aside and everything else aside, I really do believe that Crawford wants this for his legacy. He wants this fight against the best out there right now. The same way Sugar Ray Leonard wanted Tommy Hearns and wanted Duran. The same way for their legacy. To show they're the best. And I think Spence too. I think too. I think they're both 100% real fighters in those areas. But again, there's, you know, it's a business. You know, Hyman Roth, you know, it's it's not personal. It's business. Now, who gets hurt? I, I, I feel for the fans. I'm one of them. Who gets hurt? The fans. I get it. I get them that they're sick and tired. But there's... There's a way you can deal with this. The same way as if you don't like what's going on with the politicians in your area. Vote them out. Well, you voting is to turn the TV off. That's all you got to do. If that's how you really feel, that's all you have to do is turn that TV off. Believe me, they will eventually get the message. They will eventually get the message. But... You have that power. You forget sometimes. Oh, gee, we're getting screwed again. Getting screwed. Yeah, you, yeah, okay. But again, just like you could go vote for who you want, vote somebody out. Well, tune somebody out, okay? (laughs) Tune somebody out just by turning that knob. Anyway, I think we covered the hell out of it. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, that's a thorough breakdown of what happened, what's going to happen, and stay tuned in the coming weeks. There is some exciting fights coming up, the UFC, etc., etc. They always deliver. Hopefully, something comes up on the radar that will be interesting for boxing. Love to see Tank fight Ryan Garcia. Great, uh, great fight. Um, but with that, Teddy... Have a great week. It was great seeing you, as always. Thank you for all the uh, wisdom that you shared. Appreciate the heck out of you, and uh, thanks to Rob and Sam for all the support. A hundred percent, Ken. I want to add one thing, because I always try to be fair. You know, we're we're coming down right now on both Spence and, and, you know, the fans. Everyone, I get it. Coming down on Spence and, um, and, and Crawford. But two things I want to say. I want to put in proper perspective here. Number one, this ain't the first time that a fight that we wanted didn't happen in the history of this great sport. It's not the first, it won't be the last time. Number one. And so don't don't go crazy and say, oh, these guys. No, no. There's a lot of these guys out there. And it's happening right now, okay? Just a little reminder because that's what Teddy's here for. That's what his buddy 
Ken is here for. Just to give you a little reminder, baby, when you might have forgotten. And the reminder is that it's happening right now with a fighter, a terrific fighter, who I really like a lot, named Tyson Fury, one of the kings in the heavyweight division, uh, the uh, throne, sitting on the throne, that the fight that everybody wants, the fight, and I, I didn't want it, but the fight that people were clamoring for, if you can't get Uzik, that's the one I want, Uzik. He's got the other belts. He's undefeated. I want Uzik. But if you can't get that, they want Joshua over there across the, the pond. Oh, oh, my brothers and sisters over there. They, they want Josh, and they couldn't get it. Whoever's fault it was, I don't know, but they couldn't get it. So what are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, so Fury is going to fight Trezora. Trezora, who's close to 40 years old, he's a warrior. I love Trezora. He's a warrior. I was going to say, I'm happy, I'm happy he's getting paid, paid. But, but, but stop but it. This a, fight shouldn't happen. You heard, Ken. Stop it. Because he's fighting Trezora, who's beaten twice. Beaten twice. <laughs> twice. And knocked out once. And he's fighting him a third. That's not supposed to be a trilogy. That's not what's supposed <laughs> to make a trilogy. It's not. And he's fighting him, and he's going to get a big bag of money for it. And I'm happy that Trezora's getting it, but Fury's going to get another bag of money. So when you complain, don't forget it happens, and it's happened before, and it's happening right now with that. And it's worse because he's fighting a guy that he's fought twice already and knocked out once. So it's kind of like being in a card game. Where you just up the ante. I'll see your pair and I'll raise you. Well, they're raising it. They're raising it. They, they came along and said, yeah, I'll see your pair and I'll raise it, you know, to this level. And they have. They've raised it. It's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> Having said that, have a great weekend, everybody. Really. Have a tremendous, <laughs> peaceful calm beautiful weekend with your loved ones your family ken rob my twitter team out there all the great fans out there across the bond here domestically thank you we love you goodbye see ya